This following episode contains spoilers for the film or films being discussed. You have been warned. We all remember the big moments in the movies we see. Set pieces, the famous dialogue, the twists, the naked times. But film is an entity made up of hundreds of little moments that either make them special or relegate them to obscurity. We are here to talk about those moments. Welcome to Movie Microscope. Kick it, Movie Microscope. Today's episode is The Exorcist. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest movie, Microscope. My name is Nick Nunziata, and I am your gracious host, alongside the excrement hating, excellent Shaden, Sean Fahey Braden, living in the town, living on his mind, walking his dog, hating the couch. Mr. Justin Waddell, what's going on? Oh, man, I got some new couches. Got some new couches coming. How sir. you feel about it? I mean, they try to sell me an extended warranty on those couches, Nick. I, 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 t- I turned them down. Or I gave him a tentative. I gave him a tentative. What, you gave him a 10? You gave him a bill? I said, maybe. I'll think about it, I said. They said, you got to decide before they're delivered, which is happening on Friday. Got a couch and a big old chair coming. And an ottoman. What do you think? He did, he did the score for some of Brian Singer's movies, right? How about you? I've been buying furniture, quitting Baldur's Gate. What are you doing? I have been working, and I've been working on finishing albums, and I've been getting ready for some more travel. Welcome to Octobular, everybody. Oof. Our Exorcist Month. I want to apologize in advance for the cricket chirping away in the corner. My uh, chameleon has decided not to eat it, and it's Rubbing its legs in glee right now. So it'll be the most cricket-laden episode in a while, and I apologize, but, you know. That sounds like an SOS to me. I'm going to see if I can actually turn... Maybe if I turn the light off, he won't be as thrilled. Didn't change a goddamn thing. He is. So your cricket's not interested... Or your uh, chameleon, you said, is not interested in uh, feeding, huh? Will he get it hungry eventually? Of course, yeah, he just shed his skin, so... Oh. Or she. Look. Oh. Hey. What's the... You, oh, yeah, uh... What was the name of this one? Piss Piss. Piss Piss, yeah. Well, hey, timely for the movie, you know? Did they ever just become friends? I saw a video today of a uh, animal befriending a sock and how it loved the sock. I That's can't cute. remember what kind of animal it was, but it was... I just obsessed with this animal. Like, I think it, it might have been a lizard, actually, and it was just obsessed with a gray sock. That tracks. Mm-hmm. It's probably a bearded dragon. Those guys Maybe, have a lot yeah. of personality. They get intrigued by things. That's their big... That's their big thing. They get intrigued by specific things. But no, that I don't really, you know, I'm just keeping on and keeping on and, you know, just really digging the amount of great stuff going on in the world. Been watching anything cool? Great. I like that No One Will Save You. Yeah, I love that. I liked, um, I did not like Cobweb that much. Horror film that came out late last year or I guess early this year, right? Excited about the creator. Me too. I'm excited about Ahsoka. Come, I mean, after we record this, I'm going to watch the new episode. I'm excited about that. How many episodes? Show's great. I'm really, episodes I'm really into it. I'm in sorry. Season. How many episodes of Ahsoka in the season? I think season? two more, maybe. Two or three yeah. more. I think two more. And then God knows when the, the dry desert of Star Wars will be replenished, right? I mean, I guess Andor season two is the next, but that's got to be a year away still. I mean, more. 
because of the strike. <sighs> well, it's, it seems to be almost over, and then hopefully the actor's strike will follow suit. You know, it's tough, man. It's real tough. It is tough. You're right. Anything out here for a pimp. Anything in the news that you want to talk about? Anything on your mind? I don't want to talk about anything in the news. I want to. I want to enjoy the fact that we're doing the microscope. People seem to really respond to our choice of doing all these movies this month. That's fine. Hopefully, we don't ruin it for them. You sent me a little news story today. <laughs> what was it? It was a big one. I, there's one I didn't send you. I didn't want to bother you with too much, but the one I sent you was a big one. <laughs> It was the Hunger Games director on the possi- possibility of Haymitch or Finnick prequels. Mm. And I know Haymitch is that awful Woody Harrelson character. How dare you. And uh, you, the other one is that other guy, Sam whatever, Strength. Sam, yeah, you're obsessed with the Hunger Games movies, right? Big big ones for you. Now, the one I did not send you mm-hmm. is they have a charity buzz as auctioning off dinner with actress Marla Maples. Actress? So they're calling her. That's, Didn't she? She was married to Trump. Trump. Yeah, she yeah. married to Trump. Yeah. It right now, the bidding is up to twenty eight hundred dollars. Oh wow! I didn't send it to you because I figured you probably are the leading bidder already. So. so the new Hunger Games movie that's coming out, Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes, is it directed directed by our boy Francis Lawrence? Do you know? Yes, it is. Wasting his time in that world. I felt he was slumming when he did the first one, but I think it's the only choice he's got in this world. I don't think he directed the first one. I think he picked he directed up- the, he no Gary Ross did the first mm-hmm. one, but then he did a bunch. I think he produced the first one. Oh, he picked up the baton and ran, my friend. All the way to the prequel? He's still killing it on these guys? Like, he's still... And Jennifer Lawrence no longer involved, and he's still directing? He must be filming. Are they related? No, but she didn't... Wasn't Jennifer Lawrence in The Hunger Games? She was, right? Yeah, she played Haymitch. Don't worry. That movie's starring Hunter Schaefer, one of your favorite upcoming actors... Love yourself some Hunter Schaefer. It's about time somebody was named Hunter. Mm-hmm. Stay off my lawn. Look, guys, let's not beat around. It's the movie microscope, dudes. Mm-hmm. It's a show where we zoom in. We drag Ancestry.com into the trash. We slap the sleeping crawdad. We smash the glass of a beauty. Smooth out our pants. And then smooth out the pants of the intergalactic. We dip our savior in caramel. We correct the sentences of paladins. We peel and eat shrimp. And then we peel and eat fruit roll-ups and we put that shrimp inside the roll as if it's a new shell send it free into the sea dead as fuck watch a movie through a set of destroyed diseased architecture laden principled antagonistic wet warm moist clean and absolutely translucent eyes that see the movies ingest the movies filter them through our brain pan zoom in give it out back see what makes or break share with the likes of listeners so if we're talking about fever pitch we wouldn't talk about the scene where somebody implants two worms into the ears of Jimmy Fallon and Drew Barrymore, set their timer to 18 years to mini-cancel them here in 2023. Talk about the little moments. X just laid with them. Now, wait a minute. Fever Pitch. Were they both in that movie? I know Fallon was. Is that a Fuck Drew... yeah, they were, man. That's a D. Barrymore joint as well? The two best that had a perfect year this year. No stress. Drew Barrymore kind of got herself out from under it. She got herself into it, and then she got herself deeper into it, and then she's clawing her way out of it. She said... The, she, the end of the strike may help her. Well, she also said that she was she had listened, she is not returning, and uh, that went a long way with people after she um, made that a mistake. So she, she... Fallon, on the other hand, has just apparently been a dick forever. He can't... It's going to be hard for him to claw his way out. But you're a huge he'll, fan. He'll be fine. You're a huge fan of Jimmy I can't Fallon. stand either of them. I think they're both inessential. But I will admit, 
that I've been listening to that podcast with all the hosts, and I've been loving it. Oh, is Fallon funny on it? He's he's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny that he's not a standout on there. Who's the standout? John Oliver is probably my favorite mm. on there. What's the premise of the podcast? Are they just talking about stuff? It's, yeah, yeah. They, you know, sometimes they meander into a theme or whatever. And they had a guest, they had John Stewart on once, but it's just those guys talking. And I love, I love hearing him go. I, you know, Conan's not on it because he has his own show, but it would have been nice if he was on there. But it is kind of cool. And Jimmy Fallon acquits himself fine. I've never been, I've never found him to be talented. Mm-hmm. I do give him credit as a mimic, but no, yeah, well, of course, I'm in a different room recording, and Ozdolis' show is ass. I, I am with you. I think he's like kind of a talented mimic, talented impressionist, terrible interviewer, starfucker. It's time. just it's just kind of yeah, he's thirsty. He's thirsty as a talk show host. It's not good. It's not a good look. Nick, turn that cricket down. What's happening? You got a I, muzzle? I moved, you got a muzzle? To, a little tiny muzzle you can I actually see on a it cricket. It, some twizzlers. Oh, I see two crickets. Some tweezers. I, mean, I see actually, two of them walking around. I said twe- twizzlers instead of tweezers. That would be I'm now I'm envisioning you positioning a muzzle on a cricket with some twizzlers. And that <laughs> like is Like I said, Cute there have been there have been problems in the past with sound. I can't do anything about it. This I, I moved my computer out of the the studio. Perfect for the time on my being. end, though. Perfect on my end. Yeah, never never in doubt. Any fireworks yeah. or no? Oh. Exorcist, huh? What's your relationship with this beauty? We getting into this one. It scared me as a kid. Kind of frightened me to watch it now. I don't know why, but I you know a movie that I hold in you know high regard for sure. And I hadn't seen it for a long time, so I kind of forgot. Everything but the last half hour, sort of. The last half hour is just burnt into my mind. So, but you know, like the, the stuff at the beginning, for certain, I it had kind of slipped out of my brain. How about you? I know you know this movie. Yeah, like, I've I've loved this movie since I was a little guy, and I've never found it to be scary as much as I love it, and I mm-hmm. love everything about it. One of the most quotable movies of all time. One of the most sinfully quote, quotable movies of all time. I remember when I was really really young. My parents were very open about stuff, and they, um, my mother and my father, used to jokingly say all around the house, time to time, "Your mother sucks cocks in hell." It was just a greeting in our household. So I grew up with a definite thick skin about that kind of stuff, which I have reformed and am very offended now. Now, that's a line from this movie? I didn't catch it. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's Max von Sydow talking to the other priest. (laughs) No, but this movie is so iconic. It it, it shares a kinship with The Godfather to me, both from around the same time, both filmed kind of similar in a way, Mm -hmm. and both just absolutely ageless and wonderful. R.I.P. to the director, uh, William Friedkin, who just passed away a few months ago, right? Maybe not even that long ago. This movie's filled with the dead, man. I mean, Blair still walks planet. Ellen Burstyn still travels planet. Most Most, most everyone else, super gone. The director, the guy that plays uh, Burke in this movie. Died right away. He died like... Yeah, but maybe before this was released. He couldn't die fast enough, if you ask yeah. him. But yeah, man, William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist, Exorcist, based on his novel, he wrote the screenplay to this. Also a producer. Now, did yeah. you... I know you're a big fan of books based on movies or movies based on books. Did you ever dive into The Exorcist? I read the wet piss out of this book, and I remember having <laughs> a copy of Legion on our, on our toilet in the 80s at our old house. And you must have read house. that, right? You oh, yeah. Because that movie, I know that that book obviously has nothing to do with the sequel The much malign, or, you know, people hate it, hates the sequel to this film. But they said they used parts of that book for the third movie. So you know, Super I, Zoom, you're correct. I don't know if 
and I don't know if he wrote the screenplay to the third movie or not. I think he directed it, didn't he? Holy what? Come on Did now. He, I thought he I thought he directed Did it. Did you just zoom I could in? Be, I could be wrong. I could be super wrong. Blatty behind the camera? You got it. Yeah, he directed that movie. Holy Lord, I, I did not remember that. He said, you know what? Let me do it right for once. And he did. We'll get there. Mm-hmm. Episode two from now. Who's in this joint? I mean, we got 100%, 1 million percent. We got Jay Patrick's daddy in this. Give me a name, Nick. We got our spirit animal Jason Miller in here. You're right. His dad. Looking nothing like Jason Patrick. I mean, they got they both have dark hair. That's <laughs> Let's give it that much at least. Both bipeds with a dick. Yes, you're right. We got. I mean, let's let's go nuts. We got Rudolph Schindler in this. <laughs> who did he, he play? He was that guy that the director called the Nazi. Oh, we got Kitty Wynn in here as Sharon. <laughs> yeah, the, the the beloved and deceased Mr. Lee J. Cobb. Right. We got Jack McGowan as the as the director of. The film that Chris McNeil is starring in. Jack McGon. Got Mercedes out. McCambridge doing the voice of old Pazoos. Yeah, who is the face of Pazoos, by the way? What's her name? Something Dietz or something? Ellen Dietz? Ellen sure. Dietz in this. Looking effed up. But who did the voice? Eileen. Eileen Dietz. Uh, Mercedes oh, McCambridge, yeah. I got it almost right. I got Zoom. You zoomed in. And we got Max von, von Sydow, who just passed away a few years ago. Star of Little Dorrit. Yeah, one of my favorites. I mean, your so your name on this uh, squad cast is 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 Father Scarrett. Uh-huh. If you played, you know, if you played enough Alien games at, at some point, Ms. Ripley, Ellen Burstyn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Got the one, the only Linda Blair. Who I mean, does anybody even remember? She's had so many starring roles. Does anybody remember she's in this? This is the one she's least remembered for. Correct? She was in Chained Heat. Animal activist Linda Blair still out there doing it, not acting very much. I don't know if she acts at all anymore. She was a consultant on the upcoming Exorcist movie that I am hesitant to be excited about because it is directed by David Gordon Green, who already effed up one franchise. It's yeah, I, I saw Linda Blair at a Dragon Con ages ago. Yeah. interacted with her a little bit, and I, I remember I, I wanted to get her autograph. I mean, I'm a huge Exorcist fan. Mm-hmm. So I brought a handful of DVDs, a small handful of DVDs with her stuff on it. And I gave her the choice. I said, Blair, which project? And, and I gave her a pen and said, yeah, and she, she signed, she signed the Chained Heat one. Did she really? None of this is true. Well, what do you mean, Blair? Is that a joke? Blair, which project? Blair, which Thank project? You. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I had to sound it out. I'm so dumb. Please cut it out. Please make me look cool. Is it possible? <laughs> look, <laughs> the best I, is I went, forever I went me, forever me. Is it real? It's just, is it really happen? Ever, ever, every time for twenty five years or however long we know each other. Really? Premise of this movie is you. Might, most of you guys probably don't know, so let's go. Tell premise them. of this movie. You asking me? Yeah. Girl gets rocked from the hereafter. <laughs> Priests arrive. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's great, actually. What it? What you give me? You, you, this is a beloved film. This is one of your. What is? Would you say it's one of your favorite films? It's in the top twenty. I'd say, yeah. So you give us a lovely, a loving. No, no, I love, I love, I love that to death because you're obviously cutting a lot of the fat out. There's a lot of fat in this movie, but it's lovely fat. It is. It's very. It's built similar to Ring. You know the original Ring. I think a lot of ways. Um, it, you think it's ripping it off? No, 
course not. But it almost has like a meandering feel to it. And it almost like, it kind of gets you to let your guard down almost a little bit um, before it goes haywire. <laughs> before it goes haywire. Um, and you said that, you know, you did watch the director's cut and I didn't. So that's right. one thing that... There's only 11 minutes of different stuff. Although it's there's some integral stuff in but there. But they pop in some jump scares, right? I think that they do pop in a few jump scares. Not really. I mean, there's some scenery. There's some additional flashes of mm-hmm. the subliminal. But the great thing about this movie is the jump scares don't mean shit. There's, I mean, this thing is so unrelenting. A traditional jump scare is way less effective. But no, it adds some context. It does reinsert that crab walk sequence that's so great. Or spider walk, whatever you want to call it. It's really then, short. I didn't know how. I, I, did one, I did watch it on YouTube. It's such a short scene. I know, but it's. Can you imagine how much that would have freaked you out as a oh, an yeah. eight year old in a movie Nightmare. theater? But what, another thing that's great about this movie is yes, everybody everybody knows all the the big moments, but most of that stuff takes place in a very concentrated part of the story. But we get archaeology, Marin in this movie and I could not love it any more than I do I know the first like 10 minutes is, is takes place in Iraq it's Max Foncito in some old age makeup walking real slow mm-hmm. amidst ruins yeah getting a, and getting his dig on touching trinkets interacting with folks almost at, getting shot looking at statues so good Max Foncito is one of those guys who had a great career totally yeah. but I wonder if he's underappreciated or underrated even now well you know this this movie I know that people had this had this effect on him. like he looks so like the makeup was so good you know famously good on him in this because he was 44 when he made this I think and he's playing like an 80 year old that people thought he was old right they just thought he was an old dude and then so then when he got cast in um, The Force Awakens they thought he was 120 like, yeah, this he guy's was still so, crushing it so fucking he was great in Needful Things I thought he was so much Fun in I that. can't remember him in it. Was he the bad guy? Leland Gaunt. Hell yeah, he was. Was he a vamp? I no, can't remember. Just, no, just a, a shop owner with a, a, a supernatural yeah. bent. Movie starts off, Mr. Marin is is digging around in the woods, finds a little cutie, a little cute statue, a little head of Mr. Pazuzu himself. We didn't mention him as one of the stars, but definitely is. Yeah. There's some pretty cool stuff there, and including that iconic shot of him. And the statue. That has a snake for a penis? Yeah. I found a really good drawing of that character with a better dick snake. What's the statue called, do you know? Pazuzu. It is Pazuzu? He, you know, this whole part that, you know, takes place a little little Indiana Jones-ish feel to it. And then it just cuts away from it. And you don't think about old Merrick, Father Merrick, uh, for a while. Or Father Marin. What did I say, Merrick? I've been saying Merrick all the time. Father what, if he, what if he was? He was the elephant man priest. That'd be amazing. Father Marin. The power Father. of Christ compels. He beats the demon, but he can't lay down like a normal man on his bed. Father Pippin? I'll get there. But anyway, you don't think about him. And when he comes back, he comes back like a G, man. He comes back. He's awesome. He's, got he's, the, he's out in the comes woods. comes back into an iconic shot, you know? He's out in the woods on a trail. He's Yeah, he's like just minding his own business writing his next novel. I'm anxious to see what that book was called. I hope it was one of the, uh, I hope it was a choose your own adventure or maybe super fudge. Poltergeist porn. Let me just say this. I'm going to zoom in real quick. Doesn't get to finish that manuscript. <laughs> You're short. right. Yeah. Takes a detour into the ground. At the end of the now, that is something I don't remember from this movie. That he dies? I did not remember that he dies like a wuss off screen. He does die off screen, which is, which is a great choice, I think. And also, you don't know if he just died from his heart problems, which he seems to have, or Reagan herself or Pazuzu 
his self kills him. But it doesn't matter I, because... We don't know he's dead. <laughs> he looks pretty dead. Uh, Jason Miller, or Jason, yeah, well, Father Karras, as mm -hmm. played by Jason Miller, delivers maybe the worst CPR ever seen on screen. He tried. He He beats the shit out of his chest. Maybe once or twice hitting the spot you're supposed to. Then unexpectedly. Fucking destroying. Unexpectedly beats the shit out of Reagan. (laughs) Or Regan. He does, doesn't he? Like, wails on her. (laughs) He has some fists. (laughs) Do you think if Ellen Burstyn had walked in the room. She would have appreciated that. Despite the fact that her daughter is working everybody's table, do you think she would have liked seeing a priest beat the daylights out of her? He's a boxer, too. I mean, they put that in there on purpose. Like, he is haymaker after haymaker at the end. But anyway, let's just back up a little bit. We go, we jump from Iraq to Washington. Are they in Chicago? They're Chicago, right? Georgetown. In Georgetown, but they live. They, well, they live in L.A., but they also like they talk about New York too. But they're in Georgetown, okay? So they're filming a movie there, and who's the, the star? Crash Course. Yeah. And who's the Chris star? Chris McNeil is the star. Yeah, Ellen Burstyn herself. The famous actress and her daughter. She's there with her daughter and her house of helpers. She got a babysitter. She's got a maid. Handyman. Uh, handyman. They all live there. They're all on the chopping block. They're all they're all questioning whether to go onto LinkedIn once Regan starts really rocking the world. She turns her fucking head around rather early in this movie. I forgot about that. I know. And then the doctors are like, "Are you sure it wasn't just like she got a fever?" Or and she's yeah. like, "Her head was uh, <laughs> completely turned around." So anyway, yeah, let's talk a little bit about Crash Course. This is Do the, we have to. This is what everybody wants to hear. The movie that they set up a shot that it's a, cr- a big protest scene that uh, Chris McNeil has to then what get on the megaphone she, and she start spouting yeah, some. She, but you know what we need to know here is that's her job, and I think we get it. She's an actress, a little exasperated, and she's got a cute little precocious daughter at home who's twelve years old. We also see that Mister uh, Father Karras is a avid moviegoer, big fan of movies, and he gazes from the crowd. Lovingly, as he watches this very talented actress, yeah, he's take excited. control of the scene. But then she has her big moment. He's already walking away. I, guess I love it. We see a lot of pedestrian activity in this movie. We see him walking all up and around town, going upstairs, going into buildings, going down streets. We see Marin walking super slow all over the city, and we even get a little dose of Chris McNeil and her daughter doing some pedo work. What do you mean? Walking around, you know, seeing the sights, going to the doctor, out of the doctor. We, this is the 70s. This is when they forgot you could just cut to them in the room. <laughs> no, we got to watch every bit of this. We got to map quest this entire journey along what with them. What is pedo work? What is Pedestrian. That isn't, that what, isn't that what pedo work is? Ask John Ottman. <laughs> I mean, they're priests in this movie. Watch your watch yourself, sir. Yeah, so let me just say this. I, I texted you after I watched this movie, and I asked you if Jason Miller had been nominated for an Oscar. He is so fucking good in this movie. Unexpectedly, by the end, I'm like, this guy is was just delivering quite a performance here. Is he just known for this? No, he's known for being a playwright. That's his big... That championship season is one of the considered one of the great ones, and he's he's like Sam Shepard without boots, you know? And he, and he didn't act very much? Not a ton. He did some. He just passed his... His talent down to his son, huh? And he goes, you He had you two sons that are actors, I think. I mean, who else? Come on. I think he, he had Jason with uh, one of the Gleason family, and then he had the other one with, an, I think, another humanoid. But J, J, Jason Patrick, a relative of Jackie G. 
I know that. I mean, I can zoom in that hard. But hey, Jason Patrick has a brother, and you just are now just telling me this? Half-brother, I think. But who is it? Something Miller, then. Johnny Lee Miller? I'm going to zoom in and tell you he's not as successful as uh, the other one. Jason Miller left us way young. I mean, not that young, but young, too young for my liking, you know. He was very young. Let me see here. Married thrice, divorced thrice, left us at 62 years. And Joshua John Miller, that's his yeah. That's his other son. A little younger than us. He pretty much killed it, though. More of a writer than an actor, but he, he totally kills it. Joshua John Miller in this. I would like to think that he is avidly keeping up with every 50 episodes of this show. He's not that kid from Near Dark, is he? I don't know. Cannot be. He just sent me an instant message saying, "Can you guys do Solar Babies for two fifty? I will take that bet. We don't know how Reagan or Reagan gets which possessed. one is it? Reagan. We don't know how Reagan gets possessed. Zoom in. But it does happen. It goes right well, in there. So <laughs> she has, she does have a Ouija board that she is contacting the cutest named demon of all time, <laughs> her spirit. Captain Howdy, right. and uh, she's been communicating, and she uh, with Captain Howdy and Ellen Burstyn is like, oh, where'd you find this in the closet? All right, and show me how it works. And Ellen Burstyn said, you need two people to do it. Reagan begs to differ and asks the Ouija board if her mom's pretty or not, and the Ouija board refuses to answer. But that little Ouija, the little chip, moves fast by itself. It does, and that yeah. might have been enough. For me as Ellen Burstyn to move out of the country. So she doesn't notice that it moved by itself. She thinks Reagan moved it and didn't want her to, to touch it or something. She She's confused. Maybe she's just forcing her mind to make sense of what happened there. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Do you think the Ouija board has something to do with this? Sure, sure. I mean, Captain Howdy, a lot of people, a lot of people, I mean, Captain Howdy is a part of this whole mix. Because at the beginning, we hear a ruckus going on in the attic. They think it's rats, but it's obviously Pazuzu. That's where it starts. It, it might escalate. It, it may escalate. From Can I there. ask you a question? Sure. What's the cuter What's the cuter demon name? Captain Howdy or Pazuzu? <laughs> They're both kind of cute. You're right. Bunch of cuties. Pazuzu, i got to admit, quite a personality on this demon, you know? Love love Pazuz. Actually, some great dialogue, some great... Little stinker, you know? It's yeah. a hot mess, Pazuzu. Things are getting weird. They show, they play Ramblin' Man in the bar with Jason Miller's there. Meeting they sure buddy. do. He's got carrying two giant beers to his uh, friend. Father Karras, Car- right? Like, he, mm-hmm. he is... A conflicted priest. He's doing some like he works at. Wait, are we talking about the show Webster now? Or he has, he's kind of lost his he, he lost his faith. He's, he's he's dealing with like he doesn't want to be doing his job anymore, which is a depressing job. He's he's dealing with. Um, he's a psychologist for the yeah, freaking church, yeah, man. Churchgoers, right? That are troubled. He thinks he's kind of in over his head. His mom is you know aged and needs him around. He can't be. Uh, he's feeling guilty about that. But you know he his his. He doesn't think he believes in God anymore. Oh, dear me. Oh, dear me. <laughs> oh, dear me. <laughs> Mom <That's> sucks. <laughs> she she goes to visit her. Uh, you know, she doesn't, he, he's like, why don't you go to like a retirement community where you can have friends? And she doesn't want to leave her apartment. And she eventually does leave her apartment because she dies there. <laughs> and um, I could see why you'd want to stay in that apartment. It's trash. It's tiny. It's in a shitty part of town. Jason Miller's bed is the saddest in that room. Is that his bed? Yeah, there's or a her bed. right when you walk in the door. There's an awful bed up against the wall, a little yeah, cri- or a little cross on the wall. Mm-hmm. He 
we get to see a lot of his childhood. Reminded me of the bed and Clute a little bit. Remember Clute that, that vaguely that, that uh, Jane Fonda goes down Sutherland to stay in, and he's got this little micro bed, and they <laughs> they clamp together in it. Kind of reminded me of that. But this is all going on, and at the same time, Reagan's having trouble sleeping, and she says to her mom because her mom's like, "What's up?" She's like, "My bed was shaking. I couldn't sleep." Right. Which she just kind of was like, "All right, well, whatever." But it does shake. She's got a shaking bed in this. Yeah, big time. That's a tough... You know, that's a fun thing for a while, though. And then, it, you know, maybe yeah. knock it off, Pazuzu. You know, I'm trying to get some shut-eye. One thing that I love about this movie, you know, because a, a lot of these movies, they try to make it so they can live in both worlds to where there may be a, a supernatural force or there may not be, you know, right. based on a true story kind of shit, which I, I always hate horror movies that are based on true stories if they're supernatural. But I think uh, safe to say this is legit. What do you mean? Pazuzu, he's like level 28. Level 28 demon. Isn't this, you know, he, isn't this based on a true story? It is, right? It's Loosely. inspired by an occurrence. I mean, let's face it. It's, they're, they're lying. You think so? Yeah. Oh, I think they're lying. Was, I no, think. there's. This has never happened. There's never been this. No, never. I wish. Spice up the day knowing that there's an outside chance you might have your head spinning around like an asshole and survive it. How does she survive that, by the way? Let me ask you a very important question. It's a good question. Yeah, is it an illusion? Is it a, did he cast an illusion, or is it just... I don't know. Everything else that he does has a real-world result. Wolverine Puke. healing powers? I know, yeah. Puke is real. Beds really lift. Bodies really levitate. Words really appear on, on body. It's Shizuzu is like fucking David Blaine on fucking roids, man. So this movie was a huge hit, right? Obviously, yeah. But super soon, did people lose their shit? Like, yeah, this was notorious for people fainting in the theater yeah. and getting sick and all that. And then the credits rolled. Yeah, it's and absolutely, it's still shocking. There's stuff that has not been eclipsed. Still, it's like, like for the example, thing. give me a give me a, a scene that has not been eclipsed. Well, I mean, there's the there's definitely the uh, the Bush Reagan campaign that happens with that crucifix. <laughs> Refresh my memory. (laughs) (laughs) There is... You know, another thing this movie is not appreciated enough for is its tongue activity. Mm -hmm. Linda Blair's tongue deserves a mini Oscar in this. Right. She licks like a king. Is that that her tongue? I mean, it seems like she's got like a a special effects tongue a lot of the times. I want to give her credit. Fair enough. What else? What would you say is another standout thing that hasn't been replaced? I think when that drunk director says that there seems to be an alien pubic hair in my drink. (laughs) Just offhand comment at a party that Chris McNeil's having. I rewound it and put the subtitle, you know, like the captions on because I was like, did he say what I think he said? He definitely says, there seems to be an alien pubic hair in my drink. Nick, did you catch this? Yeah, and then you notice in the party, in the corner, T-Walt. And he plucks it out of his drink much like Craig Sheffer plucked a pubic hair on his way out of the (laughs) dorm room to tie it back to the last episode. But anyway, yeah, the I guess the thing that that the one thing that really grossed me out is that scene when they're they start the exorcism and she just leaks out that vomit from her face yeah. for like a like a long time. And then Father Marin uses his purple sash <laughs> and then it's barely rinsed and he kisses that asshole. You know what I'm talking about? Did you not get a little repulsed by that? Of course. He hands yeah. this vomit, and I mean, she is leaking out, and then 
Jason Miller, and it's funny because Marin hands it to him as if it's an unspoken thing, but rinses of vomit and bring it back to me to kiss. Yeah, he's got to wear it around his neck. Yeah, well, he's kissing all sorts of religious iconic, yeah, icons and and stuff. I like how I like how he has uh, Uber Priest. He gets Jason Miller to go, sends him on an errand to go get all this equipment, including the purple the purple sash. I love Max von Sydow shows up late in the movie and just hands out instructions and nails it 100%. Of course, he t- he tells the little mi- the minor priest to, <laughs> that has done all the work so far to go get his shit. He's tired though, to be fair, and he's also looked up to, so he can he can do this kind of stuff. On the uh, recordings of the Pazuzu demon that happened in this film, they say Father Marin's name quite a few times. But nobody puts two and two together when he does show up. They don't, I mean, they don't make mention of it. Hey, you're the dude on the tape. Yeah. And maybe, you know, speaking of connective tissue, we know who made that mixtape, don't we? The nun from the last from Fuck the yeah, fire, she did. fire. Oh, yeah, she was in this. She was also just off screen at that bar playing that song you mentioned earlier. Ramblin', Ramblin Man. Yeah, she was, uh, the, she was spinning the tables. Let's back up because we jumped ahead. But Chris McNeil gets um, is a little angry, Nick, because the dad has not called for Reagan's birthday. His her ex husband, who lives yeah. in Paris or something, or he's in Paris and he hasn't called. And she says the the line I think people remember most from this. Okay, circuits my ass because she's talking about how uh, the connections may be bad to you know or something like that or you know why she's on hold. I think Sharon kind of is like, well, maybe she's kind of giving some excuses. Sharon, the the live-in babysitter. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a long scene of her berating an innocent operator. Yeah, Ellen Burstyn dropping f bombs left and right in this movie. Wouldn't you? Hell yeah. <laughs> she does something at the end of this that I completely identified with. It, what, can you tell me? Yeah. Well, Reagan at the end, she's depossessed. There's a big hole where the window used to be. Mm-hmm. Father Karras has, has leapt out to kill himself. Yeah. She runs into the room, and Reagan is against the wall, crying for her mother. And Ellen Burson just stares at her, is like, "I ain't going near it. No, thank you." Then she does. She goes and eventually, (laughs) she says, "Is the coast clear? Is it de-demoned?" I'm surprised she didn't start wailing on throwing haymakers as well. What I also love is how quickly people acclimate to the new normal in that house. I'll just put headphones on to mask this the shrieks of the mutilated upstairs. I'll uh, put on a coat because the room's cold. I'll have a coat on the handy. Life life goes on. It is you cold know. in that room. Yeah, in her room. So Demi, uh, um, Father uh, Karras' mother dies. This is when the movie starts to turn, right? So and Reagan is 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 something's going on with her where newsflash. The mom takes her to the hospital and like gets her head examined. They have, get x-rays. The doctors think there's some kind of lesion that maybe is yeah. affecting her personality. We get a healthy dose of 70s medicine in this movie. Because well, cause what happens? What starts to kick off? What event kicks off all this consternation? So, Ms. Chris McNeil's having a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And everybody's rocking out. That one priest that shows up in Exorcist 3, killing it. And then who shows up downstairs? This is like one of the famous scenes in the movie. Mm-hmm. But our beloved Regan, Reagan, God damn it, Reagan. And this is the first time we're, we're, we're realized we're watching the best is that we get to watch her whip a piss big time. Well, first she shows up. Everybody's like, look, a little treat. Like a little treat showed up. And she says, she says the, uh, what does she say? You're, you're going to die. You're going to die up, 
up there or something because the guy's talking about heaven and he goes, she's going, you're going to die up there. He had just talked about how he's playing a piano and how he just envisions him playing in heaven to like an adoring crowd. And she says, you're going to die up there. Meaning I imagine everybody's going to think you're a shit piano player. You're going to suck. You're going to die on stage and be embarrassed. But then she, like you said, whips out a huge pee on the carpet. And Nick, I've heard of a party pooper before. But I have. This is uh, somehow I was, worse. On the, on the IMD tri- IMB, IMDb trivia, uh, they yeah. said 100% her piss. <laughs> it was in her rider. She says, uh, I got a real piss on I got a real piss on the real floor. Oh, that's good to know. Um, it was take 91. They finally got it. Because her piss was coming out at different angles. Didn't like it. Didn't like the way it hit the carpet. I heard she drank more water in this movie than Chris Pratt did to get thin for Guardians. <laughs> Look, not she as pees. much as Natalie Wood did on. No, she pees for sure, for certain, hundred percent pees. That is not a question. Ruins the party, and um, then Ellen Burstyn so nicely, you know, puts her daughter to bed, and then you know looks down the stairs to her maid who is trying to clean the pee out of the carpet and says, "Is it coming out?" And the maid's like, "Fuck my entire life." Anybody who has pets, that's that's just Thursday, you know. Get a little spot shot on it. <laughs> Did she Nick, have to I've have asparagus for dinner? Do you see? <laughs> the maid's like rub, rubbing the carpet with a sponge. Like I've heard of a party pooper before. Uh, anyway, doctors they they diagnose it as nerves. Were they how accurate were they? You think? <laughs> I mean, Pazuzu's nerves were a little racked at some point in this movie, maybe. You know. I do but, like how confident the doctors are in this movie and how they're just so damn, like, uh, they're confident and they're so, like, you know, like, this is really what's going on there. And they're so wrong. In they their defense, know. in yeah, their defense, I don't fault the doctors one bit. I do fault, however, after reading the trivia, mm-hmm. the x-ray technician. <laughs> what, tell me that, about the- That took a... Hard right, that story. I didn't hear about the x-ray. I didn't read this. So there's a guy in this movie. He plays an x-ray technician or something. He's in one scene. He plays a medical guy. Super murderer. What? Was caught. He killed somebody. Went to jail and then confessed to killing and dismembering a whole lot of people. Super murderer. Did you recognize him in this movie? Did you see him? Well, I looked for him, but I was too busy jerking. No, no, I don't. I don't. But the, you know, obviously, this movie has that notorious nature to it. That a lot of people got hurt or died or mm. got sick, and there was all these things troubling the film. But proof's in the pudding. You know, you know, you got to break some safely, eggs. Is that guy safely off the earth? By the way, is he done? I don't. I don't think. He, I think he's actually fine. He's great. It was a very. He had a very Jeffrey Dahmer esque story, though. He was going to gay bars. I had a, oh God, really? Taking people home, destroying them. I had a criticism. And then killing them and dismembering their bodies. If I had a, I had a criticism of him, if he's still alive, I won't speak ill of that fucking piece of shit. Sucks in this movie. (laughs) Drags his one scene down. So unbelievable. By the way, that scene when they're giving her whatever they're doing to her, where they're, they're going to image her head. Like mm-hmm. you know, get you know, and they put a they jab a needle in her neck and draw blood. It's so awful. Like it's so medieval looking. It's just it grossed me out, dude. Did it gross you out at all? No. You don't like that kind of stuff. You don't like needles. I don't like right? it if it's real. I don't mind if it's fake. It looked kind of real. That's the point of filmmaking. Plus they had Dick, Dick Miller Smith. and Dick, I'm Dick, sorry, Dick Smith. They have Dick, Dick Smith, Smith and yeah. Ricky Bakes. Uncredited worked on this. Yeah, Rick Baker did work on this. Did he think he did that scene? It's <laughs> like his handy so. work. So it might be his whiz. 
He might have been the stunt peep. Things start to escalate with Reagan. Sure. I don't mean to zoom in, but things do escalate. She starts using a cool voice. You know what's funny is she goes, she gets battle damage off screen, and it's just a part of life. Nobody says, "Look at her fucking face." They're just, uh, there's my daughter looking like she just fell down every step in the universe. You know, love it so much. Oh, um, I love it so. Everything about this thing, and then the, the idea of this cute young girl having to mouth these words, all these vulgarities, and hell. I mean, honestly, I'm a sick person. I get it, but. Me and my friends when we were young, I mean, how do you not laugh if you're a kid? I guess you have to laugh sometimes with gallows humor to kind of not let it get yeah. you. The outlandishness of the dialogue that Pazuzu gives out, you know what she did, your cunting daughter. Like the way, like that whole sentence is ridiculous. Well, so that's the voice also. So what happens is the director stops by for the last stop of his life and he um, stops by his, I guess visit Chris she's not there the the uh, babysitter has to go out for we don't see any of this the babysitter <laughs> has to go out for uh, medicine so he he stays and for a while he is dead like so Bur- the director Burke his name is his name is Burke dies and then they're like well he fell down those stairs and his neck was twisted around and they kind of figure out maybe he actually fell from the window in a room so they don't it's a little confusing but anyway that's what hit that's his voice that says that well the I, I did not do a good impersonation because you're right it's like you know what she did your cunting daughter it's like a it's a British kind of uppity voice but that and then I just remember I remember laughing terribly at some of this stuff there's a scene where so I Obviously, Father Karras is sort of he's he's rotating around this 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 house throughout the early parts of the film. They have a cursory sort of they rec- you know they see they each know other each other they've but, seen each other yeah. yeah and then you know obviously he's brought into the fold. Dude went to Harvard, went to a bunch of Johns yeah. Hopkins. He was a well educated dude. You thought he would have maybe gotten his mom a nicer place, but there is uh, once once the things start to hit the fan and Mister Karras is is a part of the house and dealing with Pazuzu. That's when the, the real magic the happens. There's a, there's a line where it's it, it destroyed me. It still destroys me because of how matter-of-fact it is. The, the, a request is asked of Reagan to Pazuzu inside Reagan's body. How long are you planning on staying inside of Reagan? And do you remember the response? I do, but I don't know the exact quote, but I do remember. Until she rots and lies stinking in the earth. That choice of words, the economy of it, and how... Just elegant it is in a weird way delights me. And plus, it's an actual answer to the question, so that's nice too. Yeah, there's this there's a supposition that Pazuzu might lie from time to time, mm-hmm. but that seemed like dead on. Father Marin has got puke on his shoes. 
Sour's mine. Yeah. Talking about Reagan. And I love the fact that there's a, Jason Miller, obviously he's losing his faith. He's a little skeptical about Reagan might have a monster living in her. But once she starts speaking backwards and in 40 different voices, mm-hmm. doing some of the weirdies that she's doing, maybe he could say, you know what? Maybe I should stop being an absolute wuss with, with this. Well, he what would it take it. for you? What would it take for you? How, what would it take for you to go from thinking somebody might have a, a virus to being possessed by an arcane spirit? What would it take? What, what was the first thing, like, 
at what point in the in the occurrences in this movie would you be 100% obviously an ancient demon in there? Walk into the room one time? Take one look at her? Yeah, I mean, that's. I think he kind of is a believer for the minute he sees her in a weird way. Like, he kind of, because he is like, whenever Alan Burstyn, she ch- talks him into coming over, because, you know, even the doctor's like, you should get an exorcist, which is incredible. And he says, when she approaches him, he, she said, do you have a time machine? Because I, I need to go back to the 16th century. I love no that line, doing yeah. that shit. She's like, you got to help me. So he goes over to, to help her. And you, we've seen, the, the thing is, we've seen him, what's interesting about his character, too, is that early on in the movie, like, a poor person asks him for change. <laughs> and he does not give that person any money. He just and walks away. Smart. Yeah, those guys are fucking grifting out. But he's a priest. He's supposed to be helping people, and he is at a at a time in his life where he is does not feel like helping people. And so I think I think that's a case not of faith but of common sense. That's a fucking grifter sitting down there on the street. Fuck that guy. That guy says he was a choir boy. But uh, anyway, so we get to hear his voice again later. <laughs> we do. Yeah, the, the Pazuzu shoves it out. Says he delivers that dialogue out of her mouth later. Oh, wow. I didn't, I didn't and then that also <laughs> tells Mr. Father Karras that your mom's in here. Oh, yeah, I know that stuff. So, <laughs> so which good. is incredible, yeah. Well, he it's the most famous line, the, the line that you say uh, you had said in your house. Uh, your mother sucks cocks now. I'll tell you what, though, very effective still are the dream, the dream sequence where his mom is coming up and down, down out of the uh, subway. Yeah, remind me of a little bit of American Werewolf in London. That dream sequence, like a little bit, just the fact that the dream sequence was in there. But it's it's a really effective sequence. Another thing I love is they show like Jason Miller like trying to get in shape, like running in sweats and stuff, and he is not a natural runner. He looks like he is about to throw up, and he's hating life. He's looking like Rocky though, and a lot with wearing those old schools. But I'll give you I'll give you credit though. At the end, we see him use the stairmaster, and (laughs) goes well. At the, I love. There's also like a. There's a. He goes to talk to somebody. I can't remember in a hospital or there's a scene in the hospital or or somewhere where there's like a like a long table. Did you notice this? And then every there's two ever for every two seats in the middle of the table. There's an ashtray. It's a lot of smoking indoors in this. Movie. Yes. Yeah. And it just made me laugh to think that like that was a big common thing and people would have like meeting places where they had like five ashtrays on the table. You know, yeah. um, I love it that he goes into his his super old mom's house and starts smoking in her face. <laughs> I know. The same time, like that's what I was saying is that he is he he agrees to help Ellen Burstyn probably because she's an actress. She's kind of famous. He's interested in and in, and in maybe like you know at least spending a little bit of time with someone who who he's seen on the screen. And as soon as I think he walks into that, I think his into the room he's kind of believing that he's pretty quick to believe that something's super fucked up gets his recording equipment out there's a scene that i did not understand yeah i don't know maybe it's only in the director's cut or whatever but he goes to this lab he's there's like this audio lab or this listening room that he goes to twice yeah in this movie and once he's listening to a candid conversation with reagan is that in the version you watched i don't think so she's talking talking about her dad it's like an interview between her and her mom talking about her dad Mm-mm. And then That's, later on, he's listening to the crazy shit. But yeah, yeah, and then they they rewind it that, or like they play it backwards. Yeah, things do escalate, uh, and and so many there's so many magical little moments. But obviously, it's about when Father Marin shows up because he's the fucking Qui Gon of this thing, <laughs> and he he pulls it off. Man, he comes in there and he is the, he's the epitome of class. That that shot, of course, when he comes out of the taxi is legendary. It's amazing. Yeah, and but it's every, the poster, right? It's the poster. Yeah, every scene with those two guys. Now, this is something that I do think that, and I talked talk to you about this. There's a scene that they cut out that was they felt was, re, or 
Friedkin felt was redundant that they put back into it. And it's a really quick scene where the two priests have just gone through the fucking gamut with Pazuzu. Round one, and, yeah. And are sitting on the stairs exhausted, and Father Karras is asking, basically, how this could happen. And how, how you know, because he, obviously he's having a crisis of faith, and Father Marin basically says, you know, something effective. But it's, he's basically saying, yeah, it's test us, and if we'll, if we'll give in to despair. You know, because mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. But it's just so nice to see these two guys, because I didn't realize this. This is one of the things that eluded me, is I, don't, I thought these characters had some sort of a relationship prior to the events of... Reagan's bedroom, and they don't. They're strangers. But yeah. I do love them together. And I actually, there's a thing that always bothered me when I watched this movie, and I love it now. The scene where they're doing The Power of Christ Compels You. Yeah. You're obviously watching Father Karras waiting for his cue from Father Marin to say the line. Right. And there's just a hair of a delay every time because he's waiting for his mentor to say it. Yeah. It feels amateurish as a movie-making thing, but it's so funny on the context of the screen. Well, I think, too, like he is... There's that one that it really works out because you know they are like in tandem and, and and doing their parts, but at one point Karis can't do it, like he's too shocked. There's this this great part of this this scene when they're doing this, and it's it's around this time Father Marin is really giving it his you know really bringing up Christ a lot and saying you know the power of Christ compels you obviously, and and uh, it, it is He who casts you out, <laughs> and Reagan <laughs> just goes fuck him, the best. <laughs> yes. <laughs> There, yeah, there are a lot of asides that come out of that little creep. <laughs> it's the best. And then the best ever is why Dimmy comes out of Reagan, too. Why Dimmy? <laughs> why Dimmy? Yeah, the mom is obviously his fucking kryptonite. Yes. She sucks. I don't understand. He's got to oh, let mom. her go. Yeah, no. What is she still. doing down there? I can't. I couldn't remember. What, what's her pastime? What's, she, what's hanging? What's, She's what's, sucking cocks. Oh, that's right. Down there? Yeah. Down in hell. I mean, that's, you know, it's... it's it's a game of telephone. She may be just grabbing the balls, but when Pazuzu, you know, it passes from one person to another. By the time it gets to Pazuzu, she's sucking cocks down there. <laughs> but, I mean, it's yeah. such you a... you think it was necessary when Karis is like, so she's same same hobby as she had up here? <laughs> I think it's amazing that grown people made this. And can you imagine being on the set for some of this stuff? They must have been losing their mind. I, I would really. She stabs yeah. herself in the vagina with a crucifix. And it's bloody. And she's saying, fuck me, fuck me. And then she grabs her, her sweet heater and shoves it and saying, lick me. And then she shoves her mother's face in there. Mm-hmm. And, and her it, mom has blood on her face. Here's the thing. Like, this has to, this had to have been hard to get through, to get, to get them to, like, not given an X rating or something. Just it's disturbing. You well, know? They, that's why they cut away from when they put that needle in her back. But it's just like I wonder if it if they had to like really over like you said you watched the director's cut, so I don't know how much was restored. But I wonder if there was just stuff that they had to just cut out just because of the the, the ratings board and you know were like no, yeah. this was. Uh, I guess not. I mean, they were they, having they, to... I understand from what they say in some of the trivia is that Warner Brothers really had to beg and plead to get that, not to get the X rating, mm-hmm. because this movie, they were already so deep into it financially that they needed a win, and obviously Warner Brothers was one of the big legendary studios at the time. Right. And I think that there were some shady dealings that happened. You think about it now, that movie has a hard art the second he lights up a cigarette. Just forget everything else. This is an R-rated movie before even the first vagina stab. Yeah, I mean, it's, what is the most? What do you think is the most salacious or the most taboo? Is it that scene? Yes, 
Oh, okay. yeah, for sure. Okay. Don't you think? The, yeah, so I, yeah, but that voice, it's that voice, it's, it's that demon voice just makes it so much fun. I know the scene that creeped me out the most is, is the scene, not when she does her the head spin, the, you know, the, the famous turns her head around, right? Like just, right. The, it was what you had referred to earlier whenever she's attacking her mom. And like uh, and like throwing furniture or like you know zooming furniture at the mom and the mom looks up and her head is completely rotated like she's sitting sitting and, there looking that yeah, way yeah and her head is like completely like 180 degrees and she looks thrilled she looks so yeah that so thrilled that she did it I always remember that shot and you I'm sure you read that Ellen Burstyn fucked up her neck. So yeah, well, how did she do it? Because she doesn't seem like she had a lot of scenes where she was. No, there's. It's during that sequence where she goes up against. She's like thrown against the window, the window pane, like down yeah. on the ground, and she makes a horrible sound. Apparently, that was her real pain. Oh wow! But you know, you got to suffer for your art. You know, when I was doing one of these episodes with you, I actually got a, a little splinter once. Why did me? Got <laughs> splinter. Yeah, the cricket's been hurting my ear. So, so Father Karras goes down. He he, you know. No, his mom he, does. He goes. Uh, he gets relieved by uh, Marin. He's like, Marin's like, take a break, take a five, bro. It's hard. It's been hard on you, and I'll, you know, let's reconvene back here in six after I'm dead. And um, <laughs> so Karis goes downstairs, and that's when Burston, Ellen Burston, gives him a little talk and or asks him. He's like, is it is it done? Is it over? And he goes, no. And then, or he says, that's what uh, he actually. That, that's where he kind of gets the resolve to go back upstairs. That, that's what I'm saying. And then she is she gonna die? And then that's when his resolve comes out. And he's like, no. And then he marches back upstairs. That would be great see. if she says, "Is she or Marin gonna die?" <laughs> now, in the director's cut, you find out why Marin dies. Is she tells him that his his mother is a prude in hell, and he's incensed, <laughs> dies of. of Sadness, finding out his mom is straight laced up there, keeping it closed. But they don't have any like you know, like I said, the director earlier that dies off screen. They don't have any of that stuff in the director's cut, right? They don't have any more with uh, Marin. Not this, that I can remember. Yeah, I mean, I think it's smart. And so then you know, Karis comes in, tries to resuscitate the older, now dead priest, and what happens? Everything happens rather fast. Actually, mm-hmm. there's a skirmish between Mister. Jason Miller and one Linda Blair. Is this a skirmish or is it a beatdown? He damages her body with punches and haymakers, and then he forces Pazuzu to enter his body. He asks it to. Yeah. Take me, yeah. And then his eyes turn color, and we know he's got it in him. And then he jumps and is slightly injured on the staircase. That staircase is is very dangerous looking, I will say. So when I got promoted in this job, my territory extended... Up to, I, I oversaw people from uh, as far north as D.C. So the first trip that I went with my rep that I had hired for that territory, I went and saw those steps. You did? Had you ever seen them before? Not in person. I'd never been to D.C. in person. And I went there and I just, it's it's not as, obviously not as impressive in person, but it's just still, you, it's, it's movie history magic. Was Karis a skeleton at the bottom of the stairs? <laughs> there was, a, I was going through, the, there was like a little figurine in the grass next to it. I love, okay, so we're forgetting about Kinderman. So there's this great subplot involving this, this cop, Lee J. Cobb, and he is investigating, and he, and there's a, I mean, it's, it's inessential to the movie to some extent, but it's but the also. But the actor is great. He's great, and that character obviously manifests in the form of George C. Scott in the third film. It's such a nice, I feel like it's a missed opportunity that we didn't get him in that room, because I thought he might have had an opinion had he gone in there but it's a nice it's a nice diversion because if, this movie could have easily been a lean and mean hour and 15 minute movie right but 
it's a two-hour movie, and it's a rich movie. And I think one of the reasons it's so beloved and it's such a classic is that it does take its sweet time. It's you know, if you look at Jaws, if you look at Shining, there's a lot of space, there's a lot of air. The difference between those and this, however, is that when this thing <laughs> comes to play, it does not fuck around. So is it Kinnerman? Yeah. So he has, he has a big scene with uh, Father Karras, and he asks, he's like, "Hey, I got movie passes," because he's like, because he Karras won't answer any of his questions, and he's right. he's like, "Well, I like to go to the movies. Do you want to go to the movies with me? I get basically I get sneak." I get free passes to movies. And he goes, I like to talk about movies, I like to critique them. And then he says, I like to zoom in like my <laughs> microscope boys do. Which I thought was awesome. But, you know, do you think there's a, one thing that I thought that kind of st- stuck out to me a little bit, and I don't know if. Talk about her nipples in that scene? Not. No? Okay, keep going. Whose nipples? No. The, oh, the statue at the, at the church that they gets defaced? <laughs> Was I wonder if like there's a scene when the one of the priests is kind of comforting you know this the, the Karis and I wonder if they had they have a relationship if there's like because it seems a little bit like whenever they're comforting each other and, each other and Karis kind of reaches out and grabs his hand I wonder if there's a little bit of a romance in the air there between I these two priests I don't think so I don't think so no it's way too old who way too old they're the same age not For- Kinnerman. Wait, although no, Kinner- way too old for a priest to be dating. Although Kinnerman does ask him out to a movie. Which is revisited in the third movie. But I don't man, the third movie like this. So you're saying that George C. Scott plays the this. He this plays cop the character? cop and and the and the other the surviving father is grown up and they're best friends. They they're movie going pals. Quote unquote. It's a wonderful movie. The third one. Yep. I saw it in the theater. I loved it. It's freaked me out though. There's some creep in it. <laughs> and like I said, Jason Miller, fantastic in this. Is he great in the third one? I can't remember him having a huge part. No, he just shows up in the jail, I think. Speaking of having a huge part, Pazuzu, snake. But it all comes to a crescendo, and it's magical. You know what uh, threw me for the biggest loop at the end? The most surprising thing in this film is that Chris McNeil's nickname for her daughter is Rags. And they just decide <laughs> at the end to give it to you. She goes, Rags? And then she rushes to her daughter because she is de-demoned, yeah. safe to touch. By the way, a trickster demon, what's the first thing they would do to get you close is to pretend that they're gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. That's a trusting mom, man. That could have gone awful for her. She didn't but, trust her that much. She spent a couple minutes hovering. Not. I love I love that the movie ends and everybody's kind of just, you know, packing up and getting their shit together. Mm-hmm. It's got to make for some awkward conversation. So why'd you guys leave Georgetown so quick? Well, no, I'm just saying, Exorcist 2 is... is I haven't watched it yet, but is is she have a she's on a date and the boyfriend's like just out of curiosity, what are those giant wounds that have healed over in your private organs? She's like, well, she's like, well, thank you for calling it saying private organs because I'm in so into this relationship. Um, <laughs> Part of uh, me for for once not saying the gross thing. So so um, what I was gonna say is Reagan's supposed to not remember any of this. You know, Ellen Burstyn is like assures the priest who comes to visit the surviving priest that she doesn't remember anything, Father. But do you think maybe she does? Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, you think she still has the "Help Me" scar on her belly <laughs> that she etched from the inside? That's amazing. This movie's spooky, bro. Did it freak you out? Did you have to turn it off and kind of walk around Are the you block? Kidding? No, yeah, I, I was just sad it was fake. But a lovely, a lovely masterpiece of just. Every corner is a portrait of fucking Michelangelo's. It's just a magical time. I will say this. It was surprising. It looks like about 20 people made this film. The credits are short. Did you notice this? Yeah. 
Let's go. Let's go. Let's let's let's, de- let's, let's deep let's in. highlight some credit names, but there weren't many. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do one. I'm gonna do one. Not not a caterer on the set, but obviously you know, this member of the crew probably had the best pizza parties. You see NS. I don't. Have, I somehow don't have NS. Nick Cigaro, almost Cigaro. I did have BK though, and you know, if you're hankering for a hamburger sometime, I got BK in here. Bobby Knight? No, I don't know what is it. Buzz Nudson <laughs> helped with this movie. Uh, my next door neighbor's name is Buzz. I think that is one of the great names. Yeah, it is good. What about yeah, AB? AB, I don't have either. You got Andrew Bach. Oh, he did this, huh? Uh-huh. I got a guy that recently, recently went out to pasture, Nick. A little M.O. in here. I don't have it. Mike Oldfield. Oh, that's the Tubular Bells guy. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's the musician who did Tubular Bells. It's called Octubular. We didn't even mention Tubular Bells is the famous song. I love how we, William Friedkin fired Lalo Schifrin and just ripped the, everybody else who did music for this. And then he did say once once he heard Tangerine Dream, if he knew that they existed, he would have had them. But he didn't find oh, really? out until after. Yeah. Uh, what about BF? Best friends? Me and you? <laughs> you don't have to laugh. What? This is what, this is what Vincent's, Vincent would say on the set of The Cygnus. Bob, fine. <laughs> Black hole. <laughs> it took me a minute. Did you get a... You might relate it to someone who was in... Um, What's the what's the she's she's all around she's everywhere now. Well, Claire's everywhere. We got a little FF here. Her grandma nope. working. A little Florence Foy in the house. <laughs> I couldn't remember her show for some yeah. reason. What is it? I, Downtown Abbey or Downton Abbey, I mean? The Queen. Is that yeah, she's the Queen, Clarence. Yeah. Also in that first man movie. Yeah. I got one that's a spoiler for Psycho. Do you get that one? NG? I didn't. I don't have NG. Norman Gay. <laughs> Perkins spoiler. Sorry guys. I got the JW who inspired one of the famous scenes from this movie. Oh, the Marriott? Who, who is it? JW, Jerry Wonderlick in this. <laughs> I only have one more TV. TV I do not have. Tito's Vandis. Oh. What a cute name. Tito's. That's a good one. I like it. It's a good one to end on. Well, let me ah. zoom in. I watched this on a TV. That's huge. Did you ever see this one in the theater? I saw it many times. I saw, we actually did, my old website did a one of those... Countrywide stream. Oh, because they re-released it like twenty yeah, years ago. Yeah. I did. I saw it in a revival theater, and then I saw it then. And man, just and they uh. sh- and they showed the director's cut, right? Yeah, but it was you know it was that stupid thing. The I forgot what it was called. The service. The this this something you've never seen or something. No, no, version, no. But the, the, the service that used to do those those screenings. I used to do all of them, sponsor mm-hmm. them. But it was di- really digital. You know, it was digital projection before digital projection was good. Sure. So yeah, it was yeah. actually worse than watching it at home. You know, visually there was a communal element. But yeah, uh, you get to still get to see your stabber puss way away. But, all right, look, man, you got to get a tattoo from Exorcist, man. What do you put on your body? Tattoo from Exorcist, huh? Well, they, at one point they show Reagan, or her, her drawings, her child. Yes. You know, some That's when I knew she was possessed. That's how shitty some were. And there's a picture of a tree with birds in it, but the birds are hanging upside down in the tree. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm tattooing that. That's a cute, that's a cute drawing. Because it's supposed to be, I think, a little bit like, man, look how she's already kind of nutty. And she just drew upside down birds, okay. and so if that's the entry level to demon possession, that's pretty cute. So I'm put that on my shoulder. And she's a little think? obsessed over a gray horse that she met too. Mm-hmm. She is. So mine is pretty simple. It's on my left che- che- uh, chest muscles. It is the bed with Reagan floating above it, and then I've got the my pillow guy gently putting one of his pillows <laughs> underneath. Mike Lavelle, is that his name? Sure, pretty great. <laughs> 
just, just gently putting. Speaking of a demon. Family customer that's not as bad as me. Look, movie's over, credits are roll, but lo and behold, there's a stinger at the end of Thine Exorcist. What do you got? That's a good question. What do you got? Do you have anything good for this one? Yeah, mine is, it's a hard cut. Remember, like the, you know that hard cut in The Shining where all of a sudden Jack Nicholson's frozen? Yeah. Well, this is a hard cut, and Father Marin is on the floor, and there's a book, uh, a couple of cans of cola on him, maybe a couple of unsharpened pencils on his body. And it's because in the hubbub of, of being thrilled that Reagan made it, they forgot about Marin on the floor, and it just kind of became a coffee table over time. <laughs> Have you seen the garage door opener? It's on Marin. WTF. Mine is like the... the Chris McNeil gets a call and she picks up, you know, and it's it's Reagan's dad and he's like, "Oh my, hey guy, oh man, everything okay?" And she's like, "Yeah, it's everything's fine." She's like, "Oh, cuz I'm just wondering, I don't know. Is any uh thing weird happen lately?" She's like, "Yeah, actually. It's cuz you start you find out the dad's the one that he, he aimed it. Pazuzu straight at his daughter and wait, he wanted it to to get, to kill Chris McNeil, but now he's calling because you know what I'm saying? He's like a little disappointed that he hasn't heard the news that someone's dead. Yeah. So he's just like, anything going on? <laughs> it's okay over there? Nothing? No demon-y stuff? Have you had smoke come out of your mouth or anything cool? No? All right. Look, man, you've been given the finance and have your own sequel to The Exorcist. Money is gone underneath escrow's back pocket, and now it's time to make it count what you're doing. I want to get like a demon. The, the, the sequel is the demon is trying its best to re-enter Reagan so it can go on an apology tour. It had time to think, Nick, and it uh-huh. feels sick about Pazuzu feels sick about what it did. So the whole movie is just desperately trying to to re-enter a now maybe sixteen year old Reagan. I don't know how how old is she in the Heretic. Do you know? I don't know. She uh, uh, she's of age. I'll just say that she is <laughs> fresh. So, and just can't wait to get back in there and I'm sorry about all that. You know, like just. Can't say it from the outside? No, it needs to work its magic, you know, from within. And, um, you know, maybe as, as, as the demons repossessing Reagan, apologizing for, excuse me, excuse me, I'm very. Just this won't take long, you know. And just, you know, apologizing. Did you have to you come think? in through that orifice, Mr. Demon? Mine is sort of similar. Pazuzu's, he's currently uh, in the process of continuing to be rocked. So he's hes sort of free-floating. Yeah. He realizes that he can't just possess something. It has to, there's a... There's a there's a rule to it, and he's by Father Karras jumping down and dying. He was disembodied, and he doesn't have the ability to get his, his hooks into somebody. And 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 this film is him slowly coming under the realization that he's just Pazuzu the float now. He just his powers are super limited. But the, at the end of the second act, he, he kind of like a, a light bulb appears above him, and he figures it out. So now Pazuzu he's using the extent of his powers is minimal, but he's doing it. What he does is he goes near people and is a fart. So he makes it sound. He makes it sound like people are farting, and he smells like a fart. So he just goes around being a fart for everyone. It works, man. It's kind of a happy ending for sure. Well, embarrassing for some people though. Yeah, but still a little trickster. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. Low energy trickster, the let. His big coup de grace is sometimes he'll do it away from the ass, and that's what really throws people. Oh, and they get frightened. Yeah, like a, somebody. Did you just elbow fart? What the fuck? 
Zeus. No. Look, man, you're in the movie. You've been right. added to the running time of The Exorcist. What shape does your performance take? Like, I'm a... Pazuzu jumps out and I slide in. I'm a chill demon. <laughs> Thanks for making room. I'm in, you know, and I'm chill. And they thought Reagan was fine, but I'm in here now. Uh-huh. And I'm just relaxed, maybe sort of high. People are like, what's happening? And I'm like, you know, I just want to let you guys know that, you know, Father Karras' mom's down here and I don't mean to spill some tea. <laughs> Truly, it looks like it could be consensual, but she is um, administering oral love on some uh, fellow hell creatures. Just, I'm not trying to speak ill of the dead, yeah. so to speak. I saw her cheat at Canasta down there once. And then, you know, don't worry. It's this is fine. You know, Reagan's in here. She's cool. She's she's watching TV. I got her. I got her with a sweet setup. I'm just the chill demon. Reagan's sending a letter to her father. She pulls out a stamp. He goes, "Lick me." You know, just that's that's the extent <laughs> yeah. of him being mischievous. I get it. That's good. Right. Just he's just trying to have an easy time. You know, mine's similar. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a, I'm a popcorn vendor and smartest guy in the fucking city, man. I pull my little popcorn machine, park it right next to the bottom of the steps. You know, like you know, the, like that, like the uh, the animated GIF of some of, of the person eating popcorn. Whenever somebody gets into an argument on the internet, right? You know, like Michael Jackson in the Thriller video eating popcorn, something like that. Well, I'm there sure. at the bottom of the steps because this place is jumping. I mean, we've literally had in the span of three days, we've had two completely wrecked people. So I'm just I set up a popcorn down there and I'm just waiting, give people not a hot, scene. Not a hot dog uh, cart. No. Although, Patrick. By the way, that scene where you want to talk about an ineffective priest holding the hand of shattered Miller at the bottom of the stairs trying know, to absolve his sins. Yeah, he said, do you want to confess? You know, because he said you've been... What do you say? He says something kind of neg- very negative. Well, he's, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the Catholic... One of those darker mm-hmm. doctrine things, yeah. Uh, look, man, you've been given the financing to have your own business associated with The Exorcist. How are you spending that hard-earned? This is this will be a one and done, and you can move on to yours. I'm making I'm, I'm teaming up with the Pez company for Pez, Pez Zuzu, right? <laughs> right. The scary face, maybe some black candy, maybe some red candy, maybe some. It'd be a mixture, black, red, and green. You know, nice. vomit green candy. What do right. you think? Pea Pez soup. Zuzu. Yeah. This, this movie did nothing good for pea soup. In no. The, by the pea way, soup ever have it good though? Did, did anybody ever true. love it? You talking about her carpet? There's a pea soup there. The uh, the guy that used to send me photos for the list of dumb was a guy mm-hmm. named Joe Pizzula. Uh-oh. So close. Very close. So close. Um, what I've done is I have created a breakfast cereal called Exorcist Loops. Okay. Which I think Listen is up. cute. It's very cute. Right. And the box, the bo- it's misleading because, you know, it's like Frankenstein, right? Frankenstein's monster is the villain. Frankenstein's completely innocent of all charges. I think people associate, because nobody knew what an exorcism was back then. They thought the exorcist was the name of the creature for a long period of time. So what I did was I, I played that game. I, so on the cover of the box, I have Reagan in the bed, puke all over her clothing, face all scratched out, with those creepy eyes looking at you all bloated and weird. But the cereal itself is little rings, of, and, they're, and they're, there's little Father Marins and little Father Karras's that you eat. Put them in your cereal. They're little rings, but they're little Father Karras. Yeah, How does they're, that work? They're, they're almost they're, they're like doing they're like little Kama Sutra shape. They're like you know they're like oh okay acrobatic mm-hmm. Father Marin and and Father Karras. You eat them Exorcist loops. I don't think it really matters what the cereal tastes like, what it looks like. I think people are going to buy it just because the the cover of the cereal box is so enticing. Right. It just yeah. screams, just screams you know food. 
and they uh, of course they have red you know they have dye the green dye mostly because mm-hmm. it'll make your soup green looking puking yeah of course but oh so good and there's a prize in every box of course the main prize it's actually the only prize Mm-hmm. Is it's a um, contraption that you put on your you put it between your legs to make your piss shoot straight down. So boy or girl, you can piss on the carpet straight down. It's a straight down piss. It's plastic. It's it's hastily assembled in Thailand, but it's a straight down piss. Look, <laughs> right. you've been asked to incorporate something from the exorcist into your daily life—a mantra, a screed, a tantric activity, a ritual. What are you doing? Whenever I fill a draft, I'm going to confidently say. A draft in the house is a magic carpet for bacteria, Nick. I am going to say it. I'm going to say it with confidence. That's what the Kinderman says to her, right? I think. But I am going to say that, and I will back it up with evidence. I'll do a little research to get a part two that they didn't have in the movie. But, uh, yeah, magic carpet for bacteria. Another cute thing, sounding thing, right? They got sued by Steppenwolf because that was his original title for the song. Mine is simple. I I can be strange from time to time. Mm -hmm. When? But my new mantra is when I do something silly or when I get a weird thought and I want to do something. I know I'm being weird, but I ain't being vagina stab weird. You know, so I know that there's there's a bar and I'm under it. Okay. You know, so I just it's it's a it's a self confidence boost to know that I I just did you know I, I might have just spun my cat around and you know thrown a cookie at its asshole, but I am not vagina stab weird. Pretty good. All right, look, man, you're on an island. You've been here all these many years gathering debris from films, and now it's time to take some from the actress. What you getting? So there's a scene in this movie uh, where Ellen Burstyn hears the sound in the attic, and she's just all right. Enough of this. These rats in the attic, and she she opens that you know the ceiling door right that makes the perfect spring sound. Like the you know like they have a great sound effect on that. She walks up and she she looks up and she sees it's completely dark up there. She doesn't have a, a light source that doesn't the light switch doesn't work. So we know how this can- works. Yeah. Grabs a candle, goes up the steps. I think there's about six or seven, maybe eight steps. Uh-huh. So she's in there looking around this creepy attic with this candle, and right before she gets startled, the candle goes into flamethrower mode real quick, kind of oh blows. My God. Yeah, that's right. And I'm like, what a cool candle. I mean, obviously, it's, the, it's Pazuzu doing some shit, but I'll take that, man. The candle that goes superpower every once in a while. Also, Supernova? that might have been enough to want to move out. She's she's startled by the uh, the the handyman. That's it's almost like she misses that the candle goes haywire. Yeah. I'm taking that either that or the small pills that Cedar's dragging around with him in his little pill box. Those pills don't have a chance to go into effect in this movie. By the way, think about this. Just think if the Exorcist happened right now with with all the cell phones and stuff, there would be she would be on TikTok making. Uh- Super bank doing right. videos of look at this, and she'll like put it under her covers, and you'll see stabs make duck face as the exorcist, you know, or they open in drawers. Oh, I, lo- I love when I love when Pazuzu opens that drawer, and Father Karras is like, Is that you? Yeah, do it again in time. I love it. I love it. Pazuzu is just not going to fucking operate on anybody else's clock. Yeah, I love it so much, exactly. And I don't know, maybe the two is like. Stalling for time because maybe once you do that, your powers are. It's like in a video game. The meter, the meter yeah. has to. Yeah, uh-huh. you've got to tap you cast a your one real spell hard. and you got to rest. This is a toughie for me because I want to take. a There's a lot of things I'd love to have from this movie, mm-hmm. but I think I'm going to go metaphysical and just get that apparition face. Oh yeah, that'll, yeah. That'll, it's like the bat signal. It'll appear on the island routinely in different spots. It's a creepy face, man. It's a creepy face, but it's quick. 
you know? Mm-hmm. And I think what it'll do is it'll keep me on my toes. It'll be uh, a lot of people like to go to fireworks shows, and a lot of people like to go to, like in here in Georgia, we have Stone Mountain. They do a laser show on the side of the mountain. I, I guess they still do it, even though it was the super Civil War. <laughs> but I would have that little face show up. You know, just randomly right. through my island, you know, interrupting my deeds and, and just, you know, maybe brightening my day to the point where I kind of look for it. I kind of hope for it. Let's know. Yeah. Maybe like it, this. it could appear in the night sky, like the honeymooner's moon. You know, it, it could be, <laughs> you know, you could benefit from it as well. You can look across the sea and see you're looking for me, but all of a sudden the, the face of the apparition is floating above. Yeah, I don't like that. Also, but I, I have my, that's your light source. I took my own light source. The fire, the torch, right? The candle, yeah. But what I would do is I would grab like parts of my belly and I would stretch it taut, mm-hmm. almost like a like a like a begging for the 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 face to appear there. I'm making a little landing spot for. It. Can you please appear right here in my tight bell? You're inviting it to yeah. what, not possess you, but to appear on you. It, it has no power. It's, it's a just, wild ask. Yeah. It's a crazy ask for a demon. Like, please don't possess me, but appear on my skin. Yeah, like I've, tight, I've tightened my skin in an area for you to land. Yeah, and then if it lands like above it or a little below it, you'd be disappointed. Fucking it's trickster! Not. Does Pazuzu show up in the next one? Heretic? I don't know what she's driving. I think it is Japanese. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>